Welcome back to another episode of Mojo Talk Radio, a place for women who are on the march to total well-being in all areas of their life. Today, I'm extremely grateful and extremely excited to welcome today's guest. My name is Pamela Sylvan, your host, and today's guest is Linus Woods Mullins. She is a certified holistic living and wellness coach, author, publisher, and a wonderful talk show host. And I'm quite grateful she took some time out of her busy schedule today to spend time to talk about our well-being, especially in these most interesting times. So, Linus, thank you for joining us on Mojo Talk Radio. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's wonderful to spend this time with you today. So, Linus, um, can you share with the listening audience a little bit more about who you are and how you show up for your audience in the world? Uh, Sure. Um, I am a certified holistic living and wellness expert, and basically what that is is I specialize in working with women over 40 uh, when it comes to uh, taking a look at their nutrition, their fitness, um, and I do that by uh, going over holistic practices and also taking a look at spiritual renewal and my philosophy is that in order to be totally well you need to uh, be well in your mind body and spirit and it's difficult to do that it's an ongoing conundrum of balancing all of that and the services that I provide help a woman to balance uh, their mind body and spirit connection uh, through the practices that I I just mentioned Um, and currently um, I have coaching programs I have online webinars I also have online classes and I have podcasts and webcasts I have a nice size uh, wellness woman 40 and beyond group on Facebook and I also coordinate uh, retreats and other events uh, for women over 40. Wonderful you're a busy woman. (laughs) Yes (laughs) but I've been following some of your um, talks on your group your women over 40 wellness group and you know what? It's everything that we need to be plugged into at this time. And I and I refer to this special time. I don't think anybody needs to any clarification on what I mean by that. So why don't we use that to sort of segue into this? Because as you well know, Linus, we are living in interesting times. Um, a lot of people are feeling the crush of what's going on, the, the, the vibe, the conversations, the actions we now have to take, the forced downtime a lot of us now have to live under. And a lot of people, especially women, are feeling the, the overwhelmment of that, especially around children that are now going to be home for long periods of time, why they too might have to be away from the home. So let us, let's talk about this. Let's unpack this a little bit about what we can do to help ourselves thrive a little bit better during these times around our well-being. Okay. Um, You know, I agree with you. These are interesting times that we're living in. And I guess it all depends on your perception in terms of, you know, how you want to view what's happening. I prefer to look at it as an opportunity. And I've been alive for almost 63 years. And so I know that on the other side of this, there's probably some pretty fantastic and amazing things. And I think that when you really take a look at the situation, it is an opportunity to dig deep and to maybe uncover some things that have uh, been uh, covered up for a while in terms of other things you can do, other ways of looking at things, other ways of being. Many times we get so locked into certain kinds of living patterns that we don't ever get a chance to consider doing something a different way. And the way I like to look at this situation that, of course, you want to stay healthy and well and use wisdom, but also it's an opportunity to take a look at those things that you've always wanted to do, but you haven't taken the time to do, haven't had the chance to do, and begin to plot out and plan how you can actually do them for whenever the time arises that you'll be able to do them. So I'm optimistic. Um, I'm not in denial about how difficult things could be, but I feel very blessed uh, to have that point of view because I really want to be able to share that point of view with others. Excellent. So let us, let's talk about those that are physically feeling the effects of this time right now. What do you say to those, or how can you help direct those that are feeling the burden of this? Because once this gets into our body, we may start exhibiting other things that we may not want to exhibit, and at the same time, lowering our own immune systems. How can you direct us around that? 
Well, it's interesting that you mentioned immune systems because I just did a webinar on how to boost your immune system. And I decided to do it because, um, not because of the virus. I was planning on doing it two weeks ago before it got to this point. But, um, and the reason why I decided to do it is that as we approach midlife, we have a tendency to kind of forget about putting, boosting our immune system on our priority list. We just figure that the food we've always eaten, the exercises we have always done is enough. But the reality is that um, our immune systems become compromised as we get older anyway. So we have to do different things and we have to take a look at approaching um, you know, the aging process in a more healthier way. And um, when it comes to what's going on right now, the very first thing uh, that I would say needs to happen and should happen anyway with anyone who is aging is staying present mm-hmm. and not being so pre- preoccupied with the past and not being over-concerned about the future, but mm-hmm. staying present and, and really being mindful about what it is that you're doing right now and approaching it f- from the standpoint of what is happening that is good right now. Many times in situations like this, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, poor eating habits can compromise the immune system. And what we don't want to do right now is to give this virus any more uh, mojo or any more energy uh, by um, having us become a victim. So the first thing I would say is for people to get mindful, which will help to reduce some of their stress level, which in turn will help their immune system not to be so compromised. And it's not a difficult thing to do. I'll tell you one thing um, that I do sometimes with clients, especially I specialize in dealing with stress and anxiety in women over 40, because many times with stress and anxiety uh, with women over 40, 50, and 60, there's more at play than what's going on with them emotionally. Many times from a physiological standpoint, they have some hormonal imbalances that are going on as a result of a thyroid that's not acting properly. But in order to even get uh, my clients centered enough to to hear what I'm saying and what we're going to do, I say, first of all, let's let's, let's take some deep breaths. And I I really do believe in breathing because we are a nation of non-breathers. We don't breathe. Yes. We're always holding our health. It's so, it's so true. We, we, we breathe very shallowly, don't we? We just go so far yes. and, no, and no further, actually. Yes, we, we, we just don't breathe. And there's many reasons for that. But the main reason is that we're so busy rushing around, we feel subconsciously we don't have time to breathe. But that's the worst thing that we can do because breath is life, literally. But also, it gets more red blood cells in the system that can flow to the brain so we can think more clearly. So no wonder we're running around all frazzled and stuff because we're not breathing because new oxygen is not helping to rejuvenate our brain, which in turn helps with our thinking processes. Mm-hmm. So anyway... To slow them down, I ask them to take deep breaths, at least three or four deep cleansing breaths through the mouth and then releasing it like a sigh. We did that two or three times. Then I ask them to uh, put their hands out in front of them and to look and focus on the lines of their hand. Some of the expressions I get, they're like, okay, what is this? This is weird. But just to focus on and start counting the lines of their hand to start looking at them, all the lines on the palm and on your thumb, your forefingers and your ring finger and, you know, your baby finger, just counting all the lines on your hand. What happens when you're focusing on that, when you're being present in that way, it gives the brain a chance to recalibrate. Oh, okay, she's not so stressed out right now because she's looking at her hand. Therefore, I don't have to you know, uh, issue more cortisol, tell the, tell the thyroid to issue more, issue more cortisol, which can cause even more confusion. So we can stop that. And okay, she's slowing down a little bit. So now I can tell, uh, the brain can tell the respiratory system, the lungs to breathe a little bit more evenly and deeply. And oh, okay. As a result, now I'm, oh, my, I'm feeling better. The brain's feeling better. And now I can think more clearly and hear more succinctly what it is she's getting ready to say to me. Absolutely. And once they stop that exercise and I say, how do you feel? And they're like, wow, I feel better. Slowing down, being present, breathing, being mindful and focusing on what you're doing at any given time will give you a great deal of relief 
when it comes to the anxious thoughts and the anxiety that I'm sure all of us are feeling from time to time. Mm-hmm. And it does your immune system a great favor. Absolutely. That was uh, well said, actually. And, you know, as many times what we might even hear vestiges of what you just shared with us, we don't always put it into practice. Why? Because we are in a state of worry and we're rushing around and not, oh, I'll take care of that later, we say, and we never get around to it. So thank you for sharing that. That's uh, even that small little bit there. You know, I, I walked through it as you talked about it. I put my hands up. I started counting some lines. And, and to be honest with you, it was like, hey, my hands, I haven't really looked at that carefully in a long time. <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting? It's really interesting. And I would uh, venture to say that in a lot of areas in our life, we just haven't really looked at it at a long time. Mm-hmm. And this is an opportunity to really rediscover ourselves and to really look at our lives, not in a critical way, but maybe in a way of appreciation and gratitude, because we still have much to be thankful for. If those who are listening to this podcast, um, or hopefully are not listening to it from a hospital, but I, I think not, uh, they're still breathing, uh, they can hear, they probably, maybe they can see. Uh, their brain is functioning enough to be able to understand my words. They have access to the internet or a, uh, a cell phone or something that connects them to be able to hear this podcast. More than likely, they're sitting in a place in a car or in a coffee shop or in their home. They have some kind of shelter. Now, these are all simple things, but they're things that are simple, but still we should be grateful for. Focusing on gratitude from a wellness perspective, uh, is very, very key in terms of lowering our cortisol, which really can compromise the impact or the effectiveness of our immune system. And it also puts us in a different mode because I truly believe that what you think about, what you ponder on, truly does come to pass. Mm -hmm. So if you're focused on gratitude and appreciation, Next thing you know, you begin to see more and more things to be thankful for that maybe in the past you've forgotten about. It's through things like this that we're going through right now that people are forced to slow down. And if you're forced to slow down, I challenge you to really begin to start listing the things that you are grateful for. And it might be at first that people like, you know, only one or two things because they're so upset and preoccupied with what's going on right now. But if you can just leave that in abeyance right now and just focus on your life and what you are grateful for, you'd be surprised. You can easily fill the page. I had this one client years ago. She was suffering from um, stress and borderline depression. And she came to me because she was having an eating disorder. She was eating, emotional eating because of the stress and anxiety. So I was walking her through some exercises. We finally got to the gratitude exercising of at least listing three things that she was grateful for. Because I'm trying to get her out of all this negative talk and focusing on what's not right and try to find something that's good because I'm trying to help her create new neural pathways, new ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. So she's it's like 15 minutes and she hasn't been able to write anything down. And then she's just, she says to me and she's just kind of laughing, kind of kidding. She says, well, I'm grateful for this nail polish. It doesn't chip. I really like it. <laughs> she said, but that's just so basic though. I said, no, it's not. If you're grateful for that, write it down. She said, oh, okay. She says, well, if that's the case. And then, you know, before she knew it, she had five things. Yes. Well, by the end of the session, she had 15 things that she was grateful for. The interesting thing is that that was like about seven years ago. Uh Since that time, because I stay in touch with my clients, since that time, she has filled journals and journals and journals full of gratitude. And it turned her life around in such a way that she was able to really focus on getting well when it came to her depression and her stress. But she first had to slow down and focus on something in her life that was working so that she can begin to start thinking in a different way to be able to receive all of the different help that was available to her. And let us, isn't it interesting how many people still approach the concept of gratitude in a sort of, it's too easy or simple, it's not the, the, the leverage I'm looking for, I need something a little bit heavier and more powerful, or dismiss it entirely as too airy-fairy. And for those listening, I ha- and to Linus's point, this stuff is a superpower. Every night before I go to bed, I list my five, I call them my five gratitudes. 
in the morning when I get up, I list uh, a few things that I wish to see happen in my life. And since I start doing it at the beginning of the year in a particular book and in a particular way, I was able to already cross off some very large items. And when I look back at that, it's shocking to me. Now I have to put more stuff on the page because those things have already been taken care of. And the gratitudes, I really feel the gratitude part of this exercise was really the special sauce that engineered the whole thing. So yes, yes there is something quite special about the power of gratitude that a lot of people are missing here or dismissing it prematurely. So thank you. Thank you for that. You know, this is a good time for us to move into a question I really want to ask you here. The rhythm of our energy. We, we, you talked about awareness a little while ago there and recognizing the rhythm of our energy. Uh, and what is our energy in relation to our well-being? And does it need our attention? I know the answer to that, but I think the listeners really need to hear you sort of pull that together for them. Yes, our energies are extremely important. We exude uh, all kinds of different energies or frequencies or vibes or whatever you want to call it. We are energetic beings. And as a result of being energetic beings, we exude from our bodies uh, whatever it is that we're going through at a particular time. Uh, We want to be aware in particular of uh, environments that would cause more negative energies to come from us. Uh, Right now in the current situation that we're in, it could be considered very negative. Uh, And so, you know, because you're worried about it, you're stressed out about it, you're angry about it, you're scared about it. These are all feelings that are rooted in somewhat of a negative vibration. So what you want to do is try to put yourself more in a situation where you can raise that vibration, where you can raise that energy to something positive. When you are operating in a low frequency or a low vibe, low energy, you are much more susceptible from an immune system standpoint from getting sick and viruses and cold. It also impacts you emotionally. It's difficult to see the forest. You can't see the forest for the trees because you are inundated with all that low vibrational energy. There's all kinds of ways to raise your vibration and it's all grounded and rooted in self-care, doing things that bring you joy. Even if when you first start out, you're focusing on uh, things that, you know, bring you a, a smile in your heart, something that brings you joy. Sometimes when I'm going through a low point, what I try to do is focus on things that gave me a happy feeling, even if it was something that happened in the past. You know, it may not be happening right now or a memory that brings me joy or makes me smile. Or maybe it's music that brings back a pleasant memory. Or maybe it's a journal entry that you did or a poem that you read or a a, a kind of food you like to eat that brings you a sense of joy. And that is actually putting an effort in raising your vibration to get you away from that negative feeling and begin to bring more positive feelings and more positive energy to you. As you begin that process and start doing that, you do begin to feel better. Sometimes raising your vibration is about listening to certain kinds of sounds, uh, doing affirmations, uh, watching certain kinds of videos or uh, movies. Laughter is huge when it comes to raising your vibration, your energy. Sometimes it means removing toxicity in your life, and toxicity could be people who are negative, maybe your overall environment in your home, you want to change it around and maybe put a little sage through the house or something to remove um, um, negative, for lack of a better description, negative energies or vibrations. But these things actually totally really do work. And when you've done this work and trying to remove the negativity and increase your positivity, you feel better. And when you feel better, you, you do better. No, no doubt about it. Absolutely. And even instituting some sort of adult play in, in a, you know, we, we, I think we've forgotten how to play. We're so busy running around trying to make our life work, trying to, enable success in our lives. That's the the big buzzword in the last decade or so in such a way. And we've forgotten how to play. And isn't there a a saying, a a very ancient saying that, you know, we need to be like children, um, get back to being childlike in ways. And that's helping to lower, you know, lower immune system as well. We need to learn how to play. Maybe this time out is what we actually need in effect. Settle down and, and get back to self a little bit more. Well, you know, it's interesting because 
uh, with women in particular, uh, we stop playing when we are in our sub-teens. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess you could say we play in a different way, but it's more real to life. Whereas men play until they're physically incapable of not playing. And then even after that, they still play. Mm-hmm. Women have a tendency to be uh, more serious in terms of their approach to life. You know, they're raising children, they're working, they're coming home and cooking and doing the cleaning. And they play all these different roles of, you know, daughter and sister and mother and friend and caretaker and provider and employee and neighbor, all these different roles that we play. Mm-hmm. And we take them all very seriously. And next thing you know, we're not really lighthearted in playing anymore we're doing this other thing whereas men they have some of those same roles but they still society in many cases has still given them permission to play mm-hmm. we watch grown men once a week grow you know play basketball on national television several teams every week it's mm-hmm. not a big deal we don't see that much with women playing i mean they, they do have women's sports and stuff but it's not given the same attention yeah. as you know as the men are because quite frankly society is like it's okay for guys to play and mm-hmm. to you know do sports and everything else but for girls it's kind of like well yeah you can do that but what about the kids? What about your home? What about your responsibility to your community to, you know, do the things that we expect women to do? And even in the year of 2020, this is still an issue. And we, women, we're the ones who need to start making the change of allowing ourselves to be more lighthearted, to enter into more self-care and self-love. And as you said, to play, it's a very good point. And it's something I talk about a lot. We don't play. No. And we need to start doing that. If we were to start doing that, I don't think we would get a whole lot of pushback from our male counterparts. Mm-hmm. We just have a tendency to succumb to, you know, societal expectations, spoken and unspoken, yes. stuff that we have in our head that may not even be that relevant anymore. It's just a habit, you know, another habit that we need to kind of change around, create new neural pathways and give ourselves permission to have fun yes. and to play. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I'm sort of enacting in my own life because I was, I, I never played. I felt playing was sort of irresponsible to a certain degree. I allowed other people to play, have a good time. I held space for that. But as myself, as a, as a leader and a spokesperson, all the things that I do in my life, I had to be seen as stoic and in control and in charge and didn't leave a whole lot of room to let go and let loose and let be. That was something I had to learn to do and finding the courage to do that. And that sort of slides us into my next question here. It's to finding the courage to enact self-care and wellness more. So maybe even more, more than courage, finding, um, giving oneself permission to be still. I want to share, share a little bit about um, the courage to be still, because I think that's still an issue for us at a certain degree. Well, I, I think that, when we finally arrive to the point that something needs to change, there's a little bit of fear about being still and doing nothing. And it's not so much the guilt that, oh, I should need to be doing this or that, but it's about the thoughts that come that you have compartmentalized or pushed back or that you ignore that aren't necessarily positive thoughts. Uh, Some of them are very negative thoughts, but the reality is that we just need to go ahead and be still and let those thoughts come. Mm -hmm. And over time, as these thoughts begin to come, we can begin to push them away, just like you push open a sliding glass door or close a sliding glass door. Mm -hmm. These thoughts are based many times on feelings, and feelings aren't always real. Feelings aren't always true. Mm -hmm. They're just things that we tell ourselves as a, a... one of the things, the lies that we tell ourselves, the the subscript that's running in the background all the time, that's not necessarily based on truth. So getting quiet, that's the first thing that happens is you get all these random thoughts coming through and all that kind of stuff. And it's not necessarily a pleasant thing, but if you approach it in the fact, go ahead and lean into it. Okay. Yes. I'm going to sit here and be quiet. And I already know the more than likely it's going to be all these negative thoughts that come through, but you know what? This is my time to just be. So when it comes, I'm just going to push it away. And guess what? When you push those thoughts away and don't give them any energy and just allow yourself to be calm and quiet, nothing bad happens to you. Nothing bad happens. In fact, there's some really good things that can happen as a result of just sitting and being still. Mm -hmm. Your body, your mind, 
Your spirit needs you to be still. Every day. Every day we need to just be. You know, we're so much in the role of human doings, but that's not what they really call us. They call us human beings. Beings, And part of that really does mean that we really have the permission and should give ourselves the permission to just be. Mm -hmm. Action for the sake of action, doing for the sake of doing, thinking that that's increasing our value, um, really is um, not not totally true. There's great value in silence. Mm -hmm. So much comes to you in silence. Uh, and, and I, you know, haven't always had this approach to life at all, quite the opposite. <laughs> it's only been within the last few years that I've really begun to recognize the value of silence. And it feels so good. Mm-hmm. I can remember when I was in my 20s and 30s, I didn't ever want to be alone. <laughs> and it's interesting because now I have children who are in their 30s and they're going through the same thing. And I just kind of laughed to myself because this is part of of their maturation process. This is kind of where they're at. But by the time you get into your 50s and 60s, that hair on fire approach to life, oh my God, oh my God, everything's, something's, you know, always happening and stuff, that 20, 30 something thing begins to change. And by the time you hit 50, um, you've learned, you you know, lived a long time. You've learned that this too shall Shall pass. pass. Yes. Yeah, yes. and it's not necessary to respond to everything like it's, um, you know, a fire, the yes. real on fire. Instead, it's okay sometimes to take a step back and say, okay, this yes. is what's going on. Mm-hmm. What's my response going to be to it? Maybe nothing right now because there's nothing that I'm going to do that's going to change it like that. And that's a knowing that you get over time. And it's appropriate that it happens over time. The hair on fire moments are key learnings for that stage of life. The taking a step back and resting on your frame of reference and the wisdom that you gleaned, you know, the last 20, 30 years or so, that's appropriate too. We should not be um, responding in midlife like, oh my God, oh my God, for very simple reasons. As I said before, stress is one of the main things that can compromise your immune system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So instead of responding to, oh my God, oh my God, one thing that you can do, and it takes practice, but you can definitely do that, is to respond to it in silence. Like, okay. You know, um, Linus, my daughter uh, was just having a conversation with me earlier, and she had that, oh my gosh moments right you know she was getting a little bit out of control because of things that were happening at her end and I smiled a little bit because she is at that stage she's you know in her 20s and me in my 50s I'm smiling at her reaction to it and I said to her you know calm down it's you're going to be fine you're not going to fall through a crack here and consider what you're doing here in this moment you are handing your power over to people that don't know you. So think, breathe for a minute and think about owning that power. So let's talk about owning one's power, Linus. What can that look like for women, especially in our midlife? We still may not have understood our inherent power as women at a, of a certain age yet. And the ability to even own it and claim it might be very foreign to a lot of people still. You know, owning our power is probably the first step and the largest step of making that link from the hair on fire point to the being calm in the face of adversity. There is strength in owning your own power and there is strength in recognizing that you do have power. You have the power of frame of reference. You have the power of survival. You have the power of experience. You have the power of wisdom. You have the power of stick-to-itiveness. You're still here, so you must have stuck to something. Those are all very value-added, powerful attributes that some people don't have yet because they're just not there yet. Or some people are there yet and they're just not recognizing it as such. When you approach to, when you approach life in midlife, that you are the sum total of all your experiences. 
That's very powerful. That's a whole lot of experience. That's not to say that you've experienced everything, but you certainly have gleaned from those experiences wisdom that can prepare you for whatever else it is that life has for you. One of the things that's so wonderful about life, and I truly do believe this, is that when the creator placed us here on earth, everything we need to survive and to thrive and to move forward in our life lies within us. What happens a lot of the times is that we get in our own way and we get distracted and all kinds of other things come into the communication system, all this noise in the communication system. And we kind of miss hearing that inner voice. They call it the subconscious, the Holy Spirit, little voices, whatever you want to call it. That voice, that intuition, we lose that connection. And for women in particular, your power lies in all the wisdom, the sum total of, the, sum total of experiences, your sur- survival mechanisms, and your intuition. Mm-hmm. At this stage of the game, we should be trusting our intuition. How many times have you heard that voice, that feeling, don't do this, don't do that, and you go ahead and you do it, and then later on something happens, and you're like, you know, I should have listened. that feeling. <laughs> right. As we get older, because we are products of the sum total of our experience. When we hear that voice, you should be able to, you know, snap to it and do exactly what it says, even though you're not sure where it's going to lead or why it's saying that way. But you have that knowing based upon your sum total of experiences that that's the way walk in it instead of the hair on fire moments, which is appropriate for the, you know, 20s and 30s. Like, I don't know. I don't know. They don't know because they haven't done it yet. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I partnered with that uh, voice within me. I, I call her my beloved magic. I am presence. And I sort of, cl- you know, call her in at the start of my day because I say, I really don't know what this is going to look like, uh, what the road ahead of me will be. So, you know, and we have, we, I have conversation about that with her. And, um, but knowing that it will, it will sort of give me the alert at some point and I'm in position now to hear that whatever that looks like for me it's going to be different for everybody most likely but for me because of that um, partnership i forged with that other part of myself it's something that continues to grow and the more that i listen the more that it 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 helps me out type of thing so it's about owning and claiming and you know even about the ability to heal linus that's another part of ourselves that we don't claim that special part of us our body is a masterpiece it has the energy and the power to do some of these things and maybe through our lack of understanding and perhaps even faith um we don't enact that as well so in your business you might and with your clients you might still come across the power of healing many times have you not Oh, yes. Um, Many times a lot of um, chronic disease and obesity, high blood pressure and a plethora of other things that cause our immune systems and our bodies to um, uh, malfunction are rooted and grounded in unforgiveness and our ability to forgive and let go and to heal from situations that have hurt us. Uh, We are human beings. Um, We're sensitive human beings. We have feelings and emotions and we hurt. Uh, But it's difficult to heal if you never allow yourself to forgive. Forgiveness is a form of healing. Mm -hmm. It is a form of letting go and moving forward with your truth. Not necessarily saying that, oh, you know, I, um, I forgive that person or that whole situation and then allow them to do whatever they want to you again. No, 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 no. But at least not letting that situation that hurt you, not letting it control you and feed into your life any longer cutting off the energy flow and the energy flow could be unforgiveness or anger or negativity of some kind i don't like that person anymore whatever just letting all of that go so that you really can heal and move forward as long as that situation that person that thing has some kind of tentacle in you that solicits an emotion then your power is slowly being zapped But when you get to that point where that tentacle is no longer connected to you, there's no emotion in terms of that situation, that person, that thing that hurt you, then you know that healing is taking place and you can truly move forward. It clears the space. It gives you more power and it clears the space. Mm. So let me just ask you, what brought you to this work? What brought you to this message that you're 
putting forward into the world, working with your clients. And so aptly and wonderfully extolling. I mean, you're, you're, this is who you are. So help us understand what brought you here. Because I think many people, and you had another life before this. You didn't come out in initially doing this work, correct? That's correct. Um, about 11 years ago, um, I have been in human resources for 25 years. I started out as a recruiter generalist and I worked for different companies and worked my way up until a, um, a regional manager level position in recruitment with a very large HMO here in California. And I was very successful. Um, I had the rudiments of uh, the American dream with the house, the cars, the kids in college, the husband, the pool in the backyard, that kind of thing. And, you know, making six figures doing very well. But inside, I wasn't well. I uh, was suffering. At that time, I didn't know I was suffering because I thought everybody felt this way. I thought everybody felt that when they first woke up in the morning a little scared, like they were going straight downhill in a roller coaster with no restraints. And that once they had that cup of coffee, that feeling would go away and they would be okay. Well, I found out one day through an epiphany that actually that wasn't normal and I needed to do something about it. And so I ended up going to the doctors and they thought that I needed some time off. And so I took some time off. I went to a respite. And at the end of that week, I decided that I needed to take more time to figure out what I really wanted to do when I grew up because I knew something wasn't right. And at that time, I was uh, 51, 50 or 51, something like that. And after I took that time, I realized that I wanted to do something to help women to be well and to not go through what I was going through in terms of ending up being unwell because I really hadn't taken care of myself. On the outside, I was fine. I was not overweight. I was in great shape. I'm, I'm a dancer by um, training and actually danced professionally for a while. So I was in great shape. You know, I had all the outer stuff, but the inner was not well. And so I thought that what I would do is maybe, you know, teach women how to dance. I, I certainly had the background for it and the certifications for it. I was going to open up a studio and teach women uh, over 40 how to move, how to dance, to help them get more in connection with themselves and to release stress and all that kind of stuff. Well, I quickly found out after about three classes that these women needed much more than just dance. Mm. There were some women that, you know, had uh, just overcome cancer. Uh, there were a couple that were going through divorce, one that was an empty nester, and still yet another one who was suffering from depression. There were several who were obese, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and one that had a chronic disease of diabetes. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, dance is one thing, but they need so much more than that. <laughs> so that's when I really began to get into this whole health and wellness thing. It was really kind of funny. You know how they say ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know what I didn't know. All I knew was that I wasn't going back to that corporate job. And when it came time for me to go back, um, I didn't. And Praise Works Health and Wellness, which is the name of my company, that was born. And um, I, you know, carved my way out of social media. I didn't even know what social media was 11 years ago. Um, I didn't know really, I knew what the internet was, but I didn't know what it could do. I didn't know what a podcast was. I sure as heck didn't know what an online course or online magazine was. I didn't know what Twitter was. I didn't know any of that. But this is, you know, interesting because it just really paints a picture. And this is my story, but there's many other people who have been through the same thing. Uh, you're never too old to learn. You're only too old to learn if you tell yourself what you are. But I decided that I was going to tackle this thing, this monolith. I was going to figure it out. And, you know, 11 years later, I'm still in business with uh, almost 200,000 followers on the Internet with online magazines, podcasts, webcasts, online courses. Um, it's really kind of amazing. The body of work is kind of amazing. You put my name in the Google now, you'll get three million hits. And if you go to the you know, 10th page, it's still me. Mm -hmm. That's how much content I put out there while I was going through my own uh, metamorphosis and discovery. Yeah. And so actually, probably the best client I've ever had was myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, more, the more I learned, the more funny? I learned. Isn't that funny? We teach what we need to learn and, and master. Mm -hmm. Isn't that so true? Mm -hmm. Absolutely true. Wow. This is good stuff uh, for those of you listening, and not just for yourselves, but for other people in your life that you see struggling with their health 
and their power and their connection to something better for themselves. So I urge those of you that are listening to share this information. It's good, good stuff. I'm, 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 I'm involving myself in the deliciousness of this energy with our guest today. Um, let's talk about how the listening audience can take some first steps forward in their harnessing of their midlife glow. Think that one of the things that really can help is to slow down and breathe. There is life and breath. I mean, literally and figuratively. And as I said before, we are a nation of non-breathers. So learning how to breathe is so important in slowing us down. Uh, learning to meditate and to be quiet and listen to the guidance of our inner voice. Mm learning to truly rest and to sleep more so that our bodies can prepare and repair itself on the cellular level. Mm -hmm. You know, many of us, we might sleep, but we never get into that deep sleep. And so therefore our body doesn't completely and totally repair itself to optimum. Yes. And it might mean that we might need some help with that. You know, you turn everything off in your room or in your house if necessary. You put on the sounds of the oceans. You use essential oils and put them on your feet or underneath your nose to help you to relax. You drink tea before you go to bed. That will help you have a deeper sleep. You want to sleep deeply so that your body can metabolize properly and repair itself to the uh, in the cellular level so that when you arise in the morning, you truly are refreshed. Too many of us arise in the morning, even after eight hours of sleep, feeling tired. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is that we have not had that deep, deep re restorative sleep. Many times what happens is we go to bed um, at 10 o'clock at night, and then we get up at eight o'clock in the morning or seven or nine, but most of us don't, we get up at six. And the problem is that even though it seems like we've had enough hours, we don't fall into that really deep sleep until right around between the hours of 11 and one. So if you go to bed at 10, you've all, or yeah, at 10 or even at 12, you already are at that point where your body is ready to fall into a deep sleep, but you're not there yet. Mm. And by the time you get ready to get there, it's time to get up. <laughs> so one of, yeah. So one of the things that you really want to do is take a look at the realisticness of when you're going to bed. You know, we have this thing called on demand, mm -hmm. <laughs> not even DVR anymore, just on demand. You can watch programs later or you can record them later and watch them and go to bed at a time that makes sense for your body. Thinking that we can go to bed and get up at the same time that we used to when we were in our 30s is a mistake. Yeah. That's a mistake. And that's not to say that you, it's because you're so out of shape or you're getting so old or anything else. No, you're just using wisdom to continue to be you and do all the things that you want to do and at the pace you want to do them uh, with the energy level and with the um, ability to enjoy it at the level that you want to do it. You need to make sure you get enough rest. There's nothing wrong with that. Yep. There's nothing wrong with taking naps if your time frame allows you to do that. Um, the other thing um, has to do with something that's, you know, pretty obvious, but we still don't do it. Two things. The first thing is hydration. Mm. Um, yep. We have to drink more water. And um, I know that tea is a liquid, soda's a liquid, milk's a liquid, all these other things are liquids, but I'm talking about water. And good water, too. Wow. Your body is comprised of so much water. Your brain is something like 98% water. And when you're not drinking enough water, your brain, again, is not uh, operating to optimum. And you need your brain to operate at optimum, especially as you age. Because we get that thing called gray fog first thing in the morning. That's why when I wake up in the morning, I always have a pitcher of water next to me with lemon and lime in it. And I drink at least 16 to 32 ounces first thing in the morning when I wake up. And I drink water throughout the day. Mm -hmm. The rule of thumb usually is to drink about 50% of your body weight, which seems like a lot of water. But if you drink 16 ounces um, once an hour for eight hours during a work day or during the course of uh, daylight, uh, it's amazing how much water you will drink. And right now, given the current climate, that's one of the things that's most important is to be sipping on water throughout the day to keep the esophagus moisturized because that's where the virus likes to visit and stay and make a home mm -hmm. is in the upper respiratory part of our systems. Mm -hmm. So another reason to stay hydrated. But the other thing is because your body is 
comprised of so much water. Uh, and the other thing is movement. We are not stick figures. We were created to move. That's why we have joints. We need to move to make sure the blood is circulating and getting to the organs so that it can help repair the organs, keep the organs functioning to optimum. But the other thing is that, you know, movement doesn't mean that you have to act like you're training for a marathon or training for a tricathlon. You don't have to go from zero to 50. It doesn't have to be that way. 30 minutes of movement a day. Whatever that 30 minutes is, whether it's walking or swimming or biking, or maybe you're just at the grocery store, whenever it was that it's safe to go to the grocery store, and you're walking up and down the halls, or you've parked your car at the furthest point of where you where your destination is. You walk to the furthest point. Whether you do 15 minutes here, you know, 15 minutes of maybe strength training or something, and then later on, 15 minutes of yoga. That's still 30 minutes. Um, I think sometimes when we take a look at what they're saying we need to do in terms of the amount of time we should be moving, it's like, oh, I don't have 30 minutes. But you really, really do. That 15 minutes you stood in the Starbucks line and that um, 15 minutes you sat in your car um, looking for a parking place so that you could go shop at the mall. These are activities that you choose to do that aren't really things that you have to do. You can take that time and apply it to your movement time. Mm -hmm. And still, in many cases, be able to do the other stuff as well. Of course, you know how they say you make time for things you wanna do, and most people don't wanna exercise. But here's the deal. If you don't exercise, you will end up doing something you won't want to do. You'll end up having to take pharmaceuticals. You'll end up having to deal with the side effects of pharmaceuticals. You may even end up having to take surgeries and recovering from the anesthesia of the surgeries, or maybe even, God forbid, recovering from an invasive procedure that involves something being cut off. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to move at this stage. Well, many people look at the short-term gains around their decision too, right? They're not looking at the long-term of these things. They don't see, that's the problem with these things. We don't see the effects of it happening right now. We put it off, that's tomorrow, maybe in the next 10 years. If there was something that was able to jolt us back to reality or wake us up a little bit around those decisions or non-decisions we're making, which are still decisions, I think maybe we might go differently on this but Linus you have filled us up with so much wisdom I mean wow and there's just it's just a tip 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 of the iceberg I understand that when it comes to wellness but it doesn't have to be the Goliath that I think many people um, think about it we think about self-care we think about um, um, paying attention to our needs and we just get overwhelmed and it's taking these little first steps forward like you said breathing drinking water sleeping and doing some movement and we're on our way and as and as we go we learn more and we want to do more because we start seeing the benefits and feeling the benefits of taking those initial steps absolutely that is true and i would say that most people know these things and they just don't do them because it's just not on their radar mm -hmm. and i'm just saying to consciously put it on your radar and begin to chip at it a little bit at a time because some is better than none Yes, absolutely. And you know, and for those that are, our technology is your thing, there are so many apps that help you with this kind of thinking. Uh, anything you want to do now, there's an, practically an app for it. If it, daily reminders around your self-care or, or affirmations around your self-care or whatever it is, uh, did you drink your water? Are you being mindful? There's just a, a, a plethora of things to help you if you can't do it alone. Um, accountability of people like Linus out there who are leading people through groups and her talks and everything there really there isn't any excuse anymore than just not wanting to actually oh, yes, absolutely there there is an app for everything and there's groups on Facebook there's so a lot of information on YouTube uh, to keep you motivated and inspired as you're making a lifestyle change lots of support out there absolutely, absolutely. so Linus how can people look for you on line in your spaces where's the one place they can go to find the majority of what you do um they can find me um at my website at wellnesswoman40.com and there they will lead you to my blog and my podcast and my women's group and all my other social media and my online courses excellent excellent so one last question for me what are you reading like that right now i i love books i'm always interested in what everybody else is reading so what is what's hooked you right now as far as a book? 
Well, I'm reading three books right now. I'm reading Fervent Prayer by Pris Priscilla Shriver. I just love her. And um, I'm also reading um, Everything You Need to Know About Menopause by mm -hmm. Ellen Phillips. Mm -hmm. And I'm also reading another book called Unplug by uh, Suze Schwartz. Mm. Okay. I try to read something around about the body, something for the spirit, and something for the mind. And I do have some fictional reading. I've got I got a lot of fiction reading. I was trying to think where is that, where is one of my books? I, I know I'm reading a book by Stuart Woods right now. I love mm -hmm. Stuart Woods' book, and I, I have another book by Robert Ludlum that he wrote a long time ago that I'm rereading because I enjoyed it so oh, much. I love Robert Ludlum, and especially yeah, now, it's yeah. all his stuff seems so timely now. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. And I also keep on my desk all the time uh, In the Spirit by Susan Taylor, who is my absolutely most favorite person in the world. I just mm -hmm. absolutely love her. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Okay. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, time is of the essence and taking time away to share with the Mojo Talk audience is very, very appreciated. And I will always um, be on your um, radar, you know, because I just love what you're talking about and how you're talking about it and the ability to ra radiate it out to those that need to hear this message, especially now, because people are starting to lose sight of themselves as they, as they have their focus on other things that are out of their control and remembering that what you can control, you know, work on that instead. So thank you for reminding us of that most important message and to the, to the listening audience to follow Linus in those places. I'll have everything listed below this conversation and to really follow some of what she's saying. If you can't follow everything, at least remember to breathe, drink that water and get some good sleep. So yeah. until next time on Mojo Talk Radio, I'm Pamela Sylvan, the Mojo Maker. You can find me at www.pamelasylvan.com or at audaciousmojo.com and I'll be back with another high profile, interesting Mojo Maker. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye, everybody. Thank you.